0: Good morning, y'all, again. Morning. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord? Yes. You know, I'm really concerned. You know, I don't usually worry about preaching time, and y'all are very gracious with that, but it is after 11 o'clock. So, um, y'all pray that I'll be very laser-focused today, because those folks in the nursery, they will kill me. That's one thing. God has just, like, blessed us with a zillion kids back there. And, uh, like I say, when there's about 25 kids and about four workers, they kind of pray for me. Sometimes I say, kill him, God! Sometimes I say, Lord, just be gracious, just be gracious. If you want to go ahead and take your Bibles, please, and turn to Ephesians, excuse me, Isaiah chapter 6, that's where we're going to jump off this morning and talk about, for those of you who are guests today, we're in our second part of a series that we're entitled, Journey. Journey. Our journey to discover who God is. And last week we talked about the fact that in the year that King Uzziah died, and we went back and talked about Uzziah, and he was a really, really great guy but he had a terrible ending. He had achievements unbelievable. He was known as such a respected leader in the secular world. But when it came to godly stuff, you just don't see a whole lot there. In the end, he rebels against something that was very godly, and God strikes him with leprosy. And he was removed, if you will, from office and made a puppet king in his house. And then for the rest of his life, he was on the shelf. And then finally he dies. And in that year, God got Isaiah's attention. And the Bible says that Isaiah saw God that way, that year, in a different and more powerful way. I don't know what struck Isaiah. I don't know if maybe he he looked at, at Uzziah's life and go, what a waste. What a waste after all that he did. What a waste now to come to the end and have such a horrible legacy. Perhaps he was saying this. If it happened to Uzziah, it could happen to me. You ever thought about that? When you see a believer fall into sin, do you ever pause and go, you know, but by the grace of God, there go I. It really could happen. You know, just like any, any team can win on any given night. Really, any of us could fall into terrible and horrible, dark sin. Maybe that was it. Uh, maybe the thought, Isaiah loved God, and the thought of him being on the shelf for the rest of life scared him to death. One of my friends suggested this week, maybe it was the terror of God. Have you ever thought about that? We don't often think about that terrible side of God. And, and all Uriah had done, all Uzziah had done was simply to go in the temple and say, Hey, I'm the king. I will think I'll offer incense to the Lord. The problem was that was the priest's job. And God didn't like it. And God zapped him with leprosy. And maybe Isaiah saw that that, that punishment so severe for such an insignificant matter in our eyes. And maybe he saw the terror of the Lord. Regardless of what it was, God got Isaiah's attention, and in that year, the Bible says he saw the Lord. You know, I was raised in the South, and I remember when we'd go on vacation, we would travel down to my grandmother's house or up toward Georgia. In that way, we would see signs everywhere that said "See Rock City." Sea Rock City. I mean, I can't tell you the times and the signs that we saw. You see it on barns, just like this one that you see portrayed in this artist work. But even now, down south, if you look closely on barns, you'll see faded signs that said Sea Rock City. You'd see it on birdhouses. You'd see it on billboards. You'd see it everywhere you went. And yet I never quite made it. It wasn't because I wasn't invited. It wasn't because, you know, I wasn't told. I just never really... ...quite got to Rock City. I mean, the sign said, see it. It said to experience it. And, you know, when you experience something... ...you really can't experience it through a picture. I have a I have a picture here of one of the scenes in Rock City. But, but it just doesn't do it justice. It doesn't do it... You know, you see the magnificent rock formation. Have you all been to the Garden of the Gods? Yeah, a lot of y'all have. You know, that's really phenomenal. But if I were to tell you about the Garden of Gods... ...you wouldn't get it. If I was to even show you a picture... Somehow it doesn't do it. You have to experience to see and know. See Rock City. This week we're going to spend our time. We will look at what Isaiah saw. And he saw Rock City. He saw the wonder and the splendor of... This is so appropriate. If the word see means to experience it, it does. And over in 2 Samuel and chapter 2, verse 2, it says this No one is holy like the Lord, for there is none besides you, nor is there any rock like our God. So we're going to experience the Lord God rock. Where? In the city, in his dwelling place. Now in Isaiah chapter 6 and verse number 1, in the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah says, I. I, this isn't something he read about. This isn't something he was at prayer meeting and they said, does anyone have a testimony? And a guy raised his hand and said, oh, by the way, I had an experience with God. This was something that Isaiah experienced himself. It's like over in first John chapter one and verse number one, the Bible says this. It says that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes which we have looked upon our hands have handled concerning the word of life when john wrote his his epistle the first john he's saying this is not hearsay this is not something i heard at a testimony service i walked with jesus i saw jesus i experienced jesus and what isaiah is to say he says listen this is something i experienced i saw i experienced God, I saw, I experienced God. I remember it was like yesterday. I was 22, 20. She was 16. I walked into the side door of the church. And there around the piano were six or seven girls. One of them was slender, had long brown hair down to her waist, and granny glasses. It was The 70s. I don't know. I can't tell you what any other girl in that circle looked like. But I experienced Judy Allen. I was taken by her. I was swooned by her. I thought about her during the message that night. I thought about her at work on Monday. And we had our first date on Tuesday. And frankly, I've been thinking about her ever since. For the last 34 years. Swoon with her. Because I experienced her. Maybe Isaiah, when he said, I saw this Lord. I saw the one who wows me. I saw him. Maybe for him, it was the first time he really saw God in this light. Or maybe, just maybe, it was just like the first time. Every once in a while, Judy will do something. She'll dress especially nice or do something for me, and I'm wowed all over again. And isn't that how God is? For some of you today, you need to be wowed by God, the first time, and some of you need to be wowed again and again and again. You get all excited about who God is and who you are in God. He you know was cool. It's really cool because Isaiah was not wowed by what God had done. He was wowed. By who God is. So often we get wowed about what God does in our life. God heals. God touches. God provides. And that's so cool. And that's so right. But church, I'm telling you, we need to get wowed by simply who God is. He's an awesome, holy God. In the year that King Uzziah died, he says, I saw the Lord, it was fresh, and it was new. We need to see God. Have you noticed some of you that are sitting close enough? Have you noticed the basketball? I didn't. I walked in this morning, Brad. I walked in, and said, "Good morning, Brad. how are you doing?" I walked over and set my Bible down. I walked back over, talked to Brad for a few moments, walked down, and talked to the sound booth, walked out, came in, sat down, shook hands, walked up here and talked to you for three or four or five minutes, sat down, and I looked at the stage. And I said, there's a basketball. This is the truth. Judy thought it was a prop. It is not, well it is now. But actually, I guess it was left over sometime during the week. Somebody put the ball there. And the crazy part is, I don't know if Brad saw it. I don't know if Val saw it. I don't know if the choir saw it. Or if we all just assumed it was a basketball that belonged there somehow. More than likely, no one saw it. Isn't that how it is with God? Sometimes, sometimes we just totally miss him. Sometimes he's there, but we just don't see him. Maybe that was the case of Isaiah's life. Maybe he just finally really saw God. Have you heard the word eccentric before? To eccentric means weird. If you're eccentric, you're kind of a weird person. But eccentric, the third definition is this. In math, it means one of the centers. Isn't that this weird? One of the centers of a circle. Now, if I were to ask you Dave, if you look at that diagram... On the, on the screen there, you would say, I'd ask you, I'd say, so what is the center of the circle? If you follow your eye, you'll see that red, and that red looks like the center of the circle. But then if you remove the lines from the circle, you clearly see it wasn't the red one at all. It was the green. And folks, I'm telling you, churches today, including often the Norseville Baptist Church, we show up and we do business. We do church, but we sometimes miss God totally, and sometimes we're just a little bit off-centered. It's so easy for God not to be the wow factor. The music is the wow factor. The sermon's the wow factor. The choir's the wow factor. Folks, listen. They are not to be the wow factor. God is to be the wow factor. He's to be the one that wows us. He's the center of it all. The wow factor. In the year that King Uzziah died, he said, I saw the Lord. And what did he see? Look what he saw. He said, He was seated on a high and lofty throne. Now, the imagery here is that of a king. And not only a king, but a highly promoted king. And you know something? He seated. You know why he's seated? He belongs there. He's at home there, and the reason the listen the reason he's at home on the throne and high lifted up is, is because he's the king. Come on, children. He is the king. I walked in my office one day and I can't remember who it was, but some person was sitting in my chair with their feet on my desk, and I said, "What are you doing?" Now, the reason I said that was not that my chair is all important or anything. But the bottom line, is my chair and my desk. Now, I'm very comfortable. If you walk into my office someday and the door's always open, and you see me sitting down with my feet up, I'll probably leave my feet up. You know why? Literally, it's my desk. God didn't buy it. You did buy the chair, but the desk is mine. I'm at home on that throne because it's mine. And I'm trying to tell you, God was appropriately at home on the throne because He is the King. He is your King if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. He saw the king high, the throne high and lifted up, and his robe filled the temple. And that's majesty. That's the wow factor. In fact, the literal literal word in the Hebrew means the seam of the robe. The Hebrew seems to suggest that, that in the throne room of God, that Isaiah saw, God was so majestic. He's so powerful. He's so wonderful. He's so God that his robe could not fill the room. There was only room in the throne room for the seam of the robe. And Isaiah is wowed. When's the last time you were wowed by God? When's the last time, not because we did, but just on what the Bible, the Holy Word says about God? Church, we need to be wowed again. Watch this. If you look on your sermon sheet over at Isaiah 40, 21 through 24, listen to what this is. This is kind of like our supporting scripture. Isaiah says later on, same Isaiah, chapter 40, verse 20 through 24, 21 through 24. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been declared to you from the beginning? Have you not considered the foundations of the earth? Four questions there. God is enthroned above the circle of the earth. God is enthroned. He's so high. He's above the earth. Listen, we've got to let the king be the king. We've got to let God be God. Listen, he's our friend. He's my benefactory God. But he is majestic, holy, regal God. He's high above it. Now watch this. This is so good. God's a throne above the circle of the earth. Its inhabitants, that's you and me, are like grasshoppers. Can you say grasshoppers? Now, what that means is, listen, what that means is this. Compared to God, you're a grasshopper. Now, you can like that or not, but that's who you are. But wait a minute. I'm a president of a certain organization. No, you're a grasshopper. I'm the star of the football team. No, you're a grasshopper. I've got money in the bank. No, you're a grasshopper. Come on now, talk to me. See, now that's only important. Listen, I don't expect you to go leave here and go and say, well, I'm just going to live like a grasshopper. But I'm telling you, when you think about God, you need to see yourself as a grasshopper. You're a saved grasshopper. You're a redeemed grasshopper. You've been bought by grace grasshopper. But you're a grasshopper. I love this. Watch this. goes on and says, He stretches out the heavens like thin cloth and spreads them out like a tent to live in. The boys in Haiti and the ladies are living in a tent, but no tent like this. God's tent is the heavens. How's that for a tent? I know, Brent, you probably got a tent, don't you? Remember one those three bedroom jobs, you know? Not, not like this tent. This tent, the ceiling, are the stars. Watch this. He reduces princes to nothing. Oh, we strut around. I'm the president, I'm the governor, and I'm a senator. He said, he makes sure you as nothing. We, the world is so filled of prideful people who think they're something. But compared to God, they're not. He makes princes... Yeah, yeah that, y'all need to say amen there. That's a, the that's a scourge of our society. We are so filled with pride. There's no room for God. He says, he says He reduces princes to nothing and makes the judges of the earth to be irrational. That's got to be the problem. Because no offense to the judges... But they're making some of the most stupidest decisions I ever heard of. God must be whooping up on them with their rationality. I mean, he said it. They are ba- watch this. They are barely planted, barely sown, their stem hardly takes root in the ground when he blows on them and they wither and a whirlwind carries them away like stubble. Now, if you want a picture of how God is and how man is, that's it. This concept that we're getting bigger and stronger. And who needs God because we're so much better now? Let me tell you what we are. Without God, we are totally depraved. Without God, we are a zero. Without God, we can accomplish nothing, be nothing, do nothing. God is all in all. That would be a good place for you to give God a round of applause right there. That's who He is. That's who He is. And then we move down where, where verse number two where Isaiah says this Seraphim, angelic beings, were standing above him. Each one had six wings, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. Now we do not know how Seraphim how many Seraphim there were, but these are angelic beings, and they had these three sets of wings. With two he covered his face. A lot of theologians agree that's talking about humility. Have you ever seen, when you walk into the room of someone important, we have what I learned in college, the tendency to lower our lights. A sign of humility. A sign of humility. Even the angelic beings knew that when they were in the presence of Holy God, they need to lower their lights and bow in humility. Children, we need to learn to lower our lights and bow before our God And our king in humble humility. And then he says, with the other two, he did cover his feet. These feet are made for walking. Most theologians agree that's talking about some kind of service. That the angelic beings realize they were made to serve. Let me ask you a question. Are you made to serve? Yes, you are. I told the folks in Revival down at Galatia last week, I said, y'all are not saved. God didn't reach out from heaven and forgive your sins so you can sit in a chair somewhere. He reached down and saved your soul so you can have the privilege and honor of serving holy God. The seraphim knew that. We need to know that. And with two, the Bible says, They flew. And most theologians agree that that indicates the activity, that the constant activity that they had. Like a hummingbird. The eagle's soar. Hummingbirds, if they don't flap, they fall. Can I have an amen? I mean, they don't glide, kinda like helicopters. If you wanna go gliding, get you some long wings. If you wanna fall like a rock, get you a rotor. Okay? They're constant activity, they're constant flapping of the wings. And what was their activity? You've got to get this. Their constant activity was this. And one called to another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. His glory fills the whole earth. Their angelic calling, the job that God had given them, was to fly around the throne, however they were, calling to each other, God, you are holy. God, you are holy. God, you are holy. And i got a stinking suspicion that we as a church are failing and declaring the holiness of God. What does holiness mean? Holiness means to be set apart. Remember I talked about that Isaiah saw him on a high and lofty throne? God was high, and He's so far separated from what, Dwayne? From sin. That's why you need a Savior. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You are separated from Holy God. But when you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, when your sins are atoned for by His sacrificial death, God hangs out the welcome sign and says, now you can come into My presence. I want you, listen, I want you to be humble around Me. I, I, I want you to serve me. I, I, I want you to have activity. I want you to declare me holy. Come on, that's no place for clapping. Call Him holy, folks. Come on, yeah. Call Him holy. He's God. See, we've lowered that image. We've lost sight of all that we've done. That, remember the circle? We're just a little bit off circle. We see God as our benefactor. We see God as this. We see, but we've lost the fact—the central part. God is holy. He's set apart. He's so far above all that there is. Now look what it says in that same scripture, Isaiah forty twenty-five through twenty-six. Who will you compare to me, or who is my equal? Ask the Lord, holy one. The Lord, the holy one. Look and see. Who created these? He brings out the starry host by number. He calls all of them. Say all of them. He calls all of them by name. Because Now watch this. Get this. Underline, if you're underlining your Bible, right this. Because of His great power and strength, not one of them is missing. He put the stars out. He counted them. He knows the name of every one of them, and not one of them has gone missing. When one implodes, when one has a supernova, he looks over Michael and says, "Number 43, John is gone." Come on now. What does that mean to me? It means when your heart's breaking, he cares. It means when you lose your job, he cares. It means when your child goes this way and you want to go this way, he cares. It says when your marriage is on the rocks, he cares. When you want to get pregnant and you can't, he cares. That's what it means. It means that he's not too small and he's not too busy, nor is he too great. That he does not know the minute details of your life. A sister shared a story with me today. Seven months, we sat out in that foyer and we wept together. And she cried how much she needed a different job. It was so bad at work. Seven months later. God gave her an awesome job and she shared that with me today. God cares. God cares. He cares when your wife is in the hospital and is ha- having labor pains. He cares when your son or daughter dies. He cares when your brother's sick. He cares. He knows. I think it's funny. Scientists just recently, the astronomers just recently announced that they found a planet several hundred light years away that possibly, possibly could sustain life. Kind of like planet Earth. I can see one of them scientists going, well, God, did you... He goes, I already knew about that planet. I I created it. (laughs) I know about that. Louis Gigolo tells a story. It says that if we are the only planet that inhabits life in the universe, what a terrible waste of space that is. And Louis Gigolo says... You know, I'd agree with that if the purpose of the universe was to sustain life. He said, but what if, as the Bible declares, that the heavens declare the glory of God? What if the purpose of the universe is to declare the righteousness and the holiness of God? He said, I think it's just about the right size then. That's a good place to clap too. Come on, I'm, I ain't going to let you sit there today. No, isn't that awesome to think about? The heavens declare the righteousness, the holiness, the majesty of God. And He made them, and He numbers them, and He knows them by name. And not one of them goes missing because He's got His eye on it. And that's the God you call your God. And that's the Savior that you call your Savior. Because the Bible says, by Jesus Christ, all things consist. He spoke and created them in all things by Him. So seraphim are flying back and forth. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Far above, highest what we can imagine, is holy God. And then he says, in verse 4, "...the foundations of the doorways shook at the sound of their voices." And the temple was filled with smoke. Being filled with smoke indicates the presence of God. God was all over the house. Don't you want God all over the house? I just love it when you just sense His presence everywhere. But the foundation shook at the sound of their voice. Now, I want you to hear something real carefully. It wasn't the shout that shook the foundations. It was the message. It wasn't the shout that shook the foundations. It was the message. What was the message? Holy, holy, holy. If they just said, go dogs, the foundation wouldn't have shook. All for the dogs. If they go ban, If I was in there telling y'all how faith is the greatest granddaughter until hope can understand I'm saying that, then i got two great granddaughters. They wouldn't have shook. But it's the message that shook the foundations that God is holy. I need to tell you something. The church is good at shouting. And we're expecting our shouting to rock the world. We shout about this habit. We shout about that sin. We shout about that thing we're unhappy with. You want to rock the world? Start shouting about the God. Who made it all. Start shouting about the God who is holy. Start shouting about the God that you serve. That will get their attention. That will get their attention. That will get their eye. It's not how loud we scream. It's what we're screaming about. I go by some houses and I hear screaming. But it ain't the screaming you want to hear. You go by some houses and you hear the excitement and the joy of life. And that's the shouting you want to hear. The earth, the foundation shook at the sound of their voices. And the holiness of God filled the temple. See, there's a a side of God. If I'm I'm halfway presenting this, there's a side of God. First off, if you're here today and you're not a God follower, you you don't do the God thing, you might be saying, dude, I don't want to cross Him. Man, you already have. Now, if you're sitting there today with unconfessed sin in your life, as a non-believer, you you didn't know something. There's some verses in God that we don't ever talk about. Like one that says, Knowing the terror of the Lord, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11, we persuade men. Knowing the terror, not the love, knowing the terror of God, we persuade men. A verse over in Hebrews that says, Our God is a consuming fire. There's some hard verses. And listen, I need to tell you this, church. He's that. But He's also a wonderful God of grace. He had every right, when Adam used sinned, to wipe it out and start all over. He'd be totally just. Just wipe it out. But He didn't. He didn't. Instead, millennia later, it's recorded for us that He said this. I, God speaking, so love the world that I'm going to give my only begotten Son. And if any one of you will believe in him, you won't perish, but you'll have everlasting life. He's a wonderful God of grace. But if you, if, listen, if you enter eternity without that, you will face the terror of the Lord you will face the consuming fire of God. Because why, Dwayne? Why? He's a loving God. Yes, He's loving. That's why He sent Jesus. But He's a holy God. He's a just God. And sin must be judged. And it was judged on the cross for every person who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Doesn't care if you're rich or poor. Doesn't care if you're black or white. Doesn't care if your native language is, is Spanish or English. He's not impressed or depressed with your religion, your church membership, your religious acts. He loves you and loves you and gives you this opportunity to say yes to His Son, Jesus Christ. Thereby, and this is so hard for us to imagine, when the Word of God says we are a holy generation. He said, well, I don't act very holy. I'm not talking about how you act right now. I'm talking about your positionally. When God forgave your sins, He sees you as holy. Say, I am holy. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are. And the deal is getting that practical part down. So the world sees the holiness of God lived out in us and says, I want what you got. And look at that last scripture in Isaiah chapter 40 and we're done. Jacob, why do you say in Israel, why do you assert my way is hidden from the Lord? And my claim is ignored by my God? Do you not know and have you not heard? Yahweh, God, is the everlasting God, the creator of the whole earth. He never goes faint or weary. There's no limit to his understanding. And he gives strength to the weary and strengthens the powerless. That's the grace of God. We are awed. We are wowed. By His holiness. But at the same time... Now, you want a paradox? Besides Matt and Laura Winkleman? Paradox. Thank you. Thank you. You want a paradox? He is holy, holy God. Are you ready to say amen on that? Separated and high. And yet, as a believer in Jesus Christ, I can call Him Daddy. Someone say amen. Isn't that amazing? He's holy God. And yet I can call him daddy. That is just an amazing, amazing fact. So you ready to see Rock City? You may have been in many services with different invitations. And I want to give you one today. Would you bow your heads right there where you are? I'm going to ask the praise team to come on up, and they're going to play softly. And I'm going to call you to a decision right there where you are. Today, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, there is a time in your life when you, without a shadow of a doubt, you know that Jesus Christ forgave your sins, and you made Him the Lord of your life. And His invitation today is you, are you ready to see Rock City. Are you ready to experience me? You may be able to look in your past and see a time when you were really wowed by God. It may have been the day of your salvation. It may have been something God did in your life and you just saw Him so clearly. And God's invitation is, let me wow you again. Not by what I do, but just who I am. Dwayne, how do I discover the holiness of God? You know, I really think it's in His Word. His Word is the revelation of Himself to this world and particularly to His people. And you'll discover the holiness of God and exactly who He is as you look into the Word. And along with the holiness of God comes the power of God. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. And a couple of other omnis. Are you ready today, as a believer in Jesus Christ, say, God, I'm ready to be wowed by You. Just who You are. Not with a prayer request. Not with a need. I just realized again today, like Isaiah did, I see you today. And I see you as holy. In a few moments as they start playing, as I, even now as I'm talking, as a matter of fact, just right there in your pew, tell him that. Talk to him. I'll ask you to raise your hands that you're doing that. He knows. Now, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ... And somehow you're sitting there going, nah, I don't think so, Dwayne. You need to talk with God about that. You and God need to get by yourself somewhere and talk about that. Why isn't God wowing you by just who He is? It could be like the basketball. You really just don't see it. It could be like the circle. We're just a little bit confused what sinner is. Maybe, maybe you've accidentally started worshiping the wrong God. Maybe it's a relationship or a position or wealth or prestige or your family or something else. Maybe you've allowed somehow another God to get the preeminence that God blames or gets. And, and maybe that's kind of blocking His holiness. You talk with God about that. And right there you can. The public part of invitation is going to be this. You know, there are there's some things that God says we can do Privately. And something God says we need to do publicly. And every time he called someone to follow Jesus himself, he called them publicly. And today, if you're interested in discovering God, becoming a relationship with him through his son, Jesus Christ, if today you'd like to make a commitment to follow Christ, Brother Brent's going to be standing down front. And again, the reason we do it publicly is because that's the way Jesus calls folks. Just come out and say, Brent... I don't know a whole lot about God, but I know something, it's something I need to know more about. And if there's a way I can call Holy God Daddy, I want that. It's the right thing to do. It's a good thing to do. He'll be glad to share with you how that can happen. No mystics, no Southern Baptist deal, straight from the Word of God, how you can be a God follower, a follower of Jesus Christ, through a commitment to Him today. Some of you today may have trusted Christ and you need to be baptized. Baptism has nothing to do with your salvation, but it is a commitment, a public statement that says, I have followed Jesus Christ. It's like slapping a name badge on your chest. I am a follower of Jesus Christ. That's why baptism is important. It's your first big step of obedience. Perhaps you need to do that today. We'll give you an opportunity. And then we're going to close our service with a prayer time. Father, in Jesus' name we come to you. And for someone here today who's never made that commitment to follow your son Jesus and to become a relationship with you, we pray today would be that day. Father, you've spoken to someone about baptism, about joining our fellowship, Father, we want to give them that opportunity also. We're simply calling you and asking you to have your will and to have your